Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and we're your people. Meet us in this place. Speak to our minds, and to our hearts, and to our vocal cords, so that the world can hear the laughter of the redeemed. Father, we pray for the one who teaches that you would forgive him his sins, because there are many. We would see Jesus and him only. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't noticed, I'm old. <laughs> I'm as old as dirt. And you're very fortunate to have me here. Not because I'm so smart or so good looking. It's just that when you're old, you don't care. If you're old, you speak the truth. If you're old, you don't give a rip. When I was younger and was climbing the ladder, there were certain people I didn't want to offend. Certain things I didn't want to say, certain places I didn't want to go, but no more. I'm old, and I don't care. And the reason you're fortunate to have me is that I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't want anything from you. I'm not looking for anything for myself. I'm just a servant, and I'm going to tell you the truth. If you want to hear the truth, find an old guy or an old woman, and they'll tell you the way it is. I'll speak the truth because I care. One of the interesting things about Jesus is that he spoke the truth because he did care. And as you read through the Gospels, and I've been doing that all my life, I'm constantly amazed and surprised with the radical nature of what Jesus did. Our problem is that we've been in the church way too long, <laughs> and we don't stand astonished much anymore. When was the last time you were reading scripture and went, I don't believe he said that. I don't believe he did that. If it's been a long, long time, I'm going to try to fix that this morning. And if it's been a long, long time, you need to say, oh, Jesus, remind me of when I was young and knew and it just discovered you. Remind me of the joy and the excitement and the astonishment that I felt in those days. And oh, Father, do it again. Do it again. This morning's text is from the seventh chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. If you had a Bible or it's on your phone, you might want to turn to that. Feel free to look around and see who does have a Bible and who doesn't, and then you can feel self-righteous. There's a lot to be said for self-righteousness. As I said, we're going to look at the seventh chapter of Luke. It's one of the most revolutionary, exciting, 
and astonishing passages in all the scripture. In fact, a lot of preachers avoid this text because the because the teaching from this text cuts the legs off some things that we have believed all of our lives. Let me tell you what Luke said, and I'm going to start at the uh, 36th verse, 35th verse. Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. You can read prostitute or whore there, because that's what she was. Who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet and her tears with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore, Simon, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, and this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves very little. And he said to her, your sins.
sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Well, before we get into the study of those words, let me, let me go down a couple of side roads. And the first thing you need to know, and you won't find this in any commentary, and no preacher that I know has ever said it, but I discovered it, and I want to take credit for it. <laughs> Simon, the Pharisee, became a Christian. You say, wait, 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 how do you know that? Let me tell you how I know. Because Simon, Luke says, said to himself in his own mind, in his own heart, if he were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. And Luke says that Jesus answered Simon, not for what he said, but for what he thought. Now, since that's the inside of Simon, how do we know he thought that? Jesus doesn't go around sharing what we think with other people. Our secrets are safe with him. So how do we know? I would suggest there is only one way to know, and that's from Simon himself. And that was when he gave his testimony at church. I can see it. He said, you're not going to believe this. He was in my house. And I thought, man, he's a weird dude. Man, he's touching a prostitute. And he's loving on her. That's not right. And he read my mind. Can you believe that? Is he something else? So Simon, and you get to hear it this morning, you didn't know this before, and I was the one who told you. Simon became a Christian. I don't know about you, but that would be the last person on my list I would expect to come to Christ. He's arrogant, he's self-righteous, he's filled with ego, he looks down at his nose, and his peacock feathers fly in the breeze. He thinks he's something else. I would say, I'm going to somebody else. I'm shaking the dust off my feet. I'm going to talk to somebody for whom there is a chance that he or she will come to Christ. But Simon wouldn't be on that list. You got people on that list? Have you got some people on the list that you think, I'm not telling them again. There's no hope. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to avoid those people. Listen to me. Go to them. You might be surprised that you'll find a Simon there. Maybe it's your kid or your grandkid who's walked away from the faith. Go to them. You might find a Simon there. 
You've got neighbors who are driving you nuts, and they refuse to go to church anywhere. Love on them. You might find Simon there. And then I'm going to show you one other thing. Note at the end of the chapter that the people who were at the dinner party said, and they were astonished, who in the world is this? He's forgiving sins. That's a statement of divinity. That's a statement about who Jesus is. He's not a little rabbi in a little town, in a little country, who said nice things about love. He's God. The psalmist said, and this is David, against thee and thee only have I seen it. Have you ever lied about somebody? I have. I'm not proud of it. You ever done something really bad and you're ashamed? I have. And I'm not proud of it. You ever hurt somebody? And you go to them and you ask forgiveness? And they forgive you? And you still feel guilty? You know why? Because the only one who can declare you clean, the only one who can forgive you forever, the only one who will treat you the way it never happened, the only one who has the authority to forgive your sins is him. And so confess your sins to one another. That's important. Paul was right. But make sure you go to God because that's the place where you're clean. I went to seminary with a man by the name of Dick Waters. He was a playwright. Jesus got him and drug him into the kingdom. And he kept writing plays for Jesus. And he wrote a play called The Truant Apostle. It was about a preacher. Don, you and I can identify with this. A preacher who was in the Methodist church. And he looked in the mirror one morning, big Methodist church, looked in the mirror. And he thought, you know, I'm so ashamed of myself. I've been lying to these people. I've been being nice to the rich and bad. And he said, I'm going to change. I'm going to be faithful to Jesus. And he was. And he went through five churches in five years from the largest Methodist church in that state to the smallest Methodist church in that state. And they were meeting at the country store to kick him out of that one too. <laughs> and he decided that he was fine with that. He had done it for Jesus. And uh, his only friend, the only one he had left, said to him, what are you going to do now, McDermott? And he said, I'm going up there and sit by a mountain stream where a man can feel clean and pure and close to God. Uh, you know how you can feel clean 
and pure, because of the finished and sufficient blood sacrifice of Christ. They were astonished because they understood that only God can ultimately forgive sins. I don't know what you've done, but you don't fool me. I've been doing this longer than most of you have been alive. <coughs> I know what you think. I know the greed and the lust and the anger. I know the hatred. I know the lies and the secrets because that's me. But run to Jesus. Amen. And you can with me be clean and pure and close to God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, because, you know, we're all we're going to be ready for lunch and I'm going to do it on the road. I uh, wish I could stay and spend some time with you. You're easy to teach. That says something about your pastor. Not one of you have fallen asleep. <laughs> and if you do, I will point it out. <laughs> and that ought to keep the rest of you awake. <laughs> but let me show you two or three things, just by way of reminder, so that when you read this text, <coughs> you'll think of these things. The first thing I want you to see is the power of desperation. The power of desperation. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I think this is one dumb prostitute. I mean, she was loved and she was forgiven. I know all that. But she's not playing with a full deck. This is a dumb prostitute. What prostitute would crash the dinner party of the Pharisees? Is that stupid or what? If I had been in her place, I would have gone to Jesus because I'm desperate a lot. <coughs> but I would have waited outside the door. And when Jesus came out, I would have grabbed him. And then I would say, let me wash your feet. Let me use this fragrant perfume and oil on you. And then I need something really, really bad, but not her, man. She just walks right into a bunch of Pharisees, self-righteous, arrogant, elitist, a prostitute. Was she crazy? That's what desperation will do to you. It is said that one time a student came to Socrates and said he wanted to know truth. And Socrates said, come with me, son. And they walked down to a river, and he took that young man and pushed him under the water and held him there until he was kicking and struggling and thinking he was going to die. And then Socrates grabbed his hair and pulled him up and said, Son, when you want truth, as much as you just wanted air, then you'll have it. And that's true of your desperation. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time doing this. Uh, I wrote a book on suffering and pain, and people are always saying to me, Steve, I want to, I'm going to take you out sometime and show you the real world. <laughs> and Tom, you, I see more of the real world in one day than you see in a lifetime. I've listened to more confessions, buried more babies, cleaned up after more suicides, stood beside more deathbeds than you could possibly imagine. If you want to know about the real world, check with me. So I wrote a book. It's a book on Job. It was called When Your Rope Breaks. So I'm not going to get into that. But let me tell you something. If you're going through a hard time, and when my father was dying and I was a young pastor, I was speaking for a group of churches in the mountains of Tennessee, five little churches. And one of the pastors who must have weighed 300 pounds, I'd gotten a call, my father was dying, and he just grabbed me and held me while I wept. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Steve, use this. Every time you talk to 10 people, seven of them will have a broken heart. I remember that, and I found out that it's true. Maybe you lost a loved one recently. Maybe you've done something you're really ashamed of. Maybe you've gotten a diagnosis that wouldn't, or maybe you're lying down and your back hurts all the time. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. That's bad. No, that's good. You know why? Because everything that brings you to the end of yourself brings you to Jesus. Let me say that again. Everything that brings you to the end of yourself. Mark, when you had that accident, wasn't that awful? That was bad. No. That was good. Because everything that brings you to the end of yourself, including sin, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute, brings you to Jesus. And he likes those who are weak and are marginalized, who've gotten by bad diagnosis, who've lost loved ones, who have sinned. I have a friend, Ray Orman, who just fairly recently started a ministry working with pastors. But for the last 10 or 15 years, he's the pastor of Emmanuel Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He was kicked out of three churches too. And he and some friends decided they were going to create a church for right of lessons, for people who were marginalized that other churches wouldn't want. And so they charted, they started this church in a bad area in Nashville, and the thing, that sucker exploded. I mean, when I was there teaching a grace conference, it's a big auditorium, and it was packed. But you know what blew me away was his call to worship 
that Sunday morning before I spoke. He stood before that congregation and he said, he said, uh, if you're a sinner and you've done really bad things and you think God's through with you, if you're marginalized, if you're lonely, if you're afraid, if you have doubts, welcome. Jesus says, welcome. You've come to the right place. Devastation. Uh, it'll bring you to Jesus. Sometimes that's the only reason I go to him. And that's enough. Then I want to show you something about her saying, you know, it is so cool the way this lady didn't tell a white lie. She, she didn't steal a quarter from her mother's pocketbook when she was 12. She didn't fail to speak to somebody. Luke and the Holy Spirit and the Bible is clear this is not a little sinner. This is a woman who's sleeping with anything that walks around. She's a prostitute. She's, and Jesus forgave her. I wrote a book a few years ago. I titled it Three Free Sins. <laughs> if I do over again, I'd change that title. That's got me into more trouble. And I came from a joke. We used to do a morning talk show, and if you called, you got three free, if you were a believer, and you called, you got three free sins. And if you called on a cell phone, you got six free sins. And one lady called, and man, we had unbelievable ratings at the 10 stations where it was heard. They picketed us in Portland. And one of the staff members of the station came in and said, they're picketing us. And the manager said, it's the first time they ever knew we were here. <laughs> but it was very successful. I couldn't get enough stations, so it crashed and burned. But it was fun. We had a comedy writer, and we did the, one time a lady called and said, I like this program, but I don't like that three free cents thing. That's blasphemous. And I said, all right, I'll give you four. And, and she didn't find that funny. She went ballistic. And I said, all right, I'll give you five, but that's all I'm going to give you. And the producer got on the air and said, lady, get a life. It's a joke. Steve can't forgive sins. Only Jesus can do that. We had, and I'm going off, and I didn't mean to, but let me tell you the We we had a website with three apples on it. So you could send three free cents to all your friends. <laughs> and uh, it was an evangelistic effort. Uh, and it said, if you're not a believer, everything on this website is free. Uh, but if you're not a believer, you have to pay for your own sins. And it, it, we also put Playboy Bunny on our website. You said you didn't. Yeah, I did. And if you clicked it, you went to Campus Crusade for Christ <laughs> or crew. And Jesus made me take that down. I said, but it's funny. He said, yeah, it's funny. But 
It's manipulative. Don't do that. Through through sin. What if all yours were forgiven? My late friend Jack Miller used to say, all of the Bible can be summarized in two sentences. Cheer up, you're a lot worse than you think you are. And secondly, cheer up, God's grace is a lot bigger than you think it is. Do an experiment if you think you pretty much used to think if I could quit smoking that pipe, I'd be perfect. And the angels laughed at me. Uh, try an experiment. Say, God, let me see myself. The darkness, the pride, the greed, the lies. Let me see myself. Because Jesus said, he or she who is forgiven little, loves little. Did you know that sin attracts grace? Where sin abounds, Paul said in Romans 7, grace abounds all the more. And then Paul realized what he was saying. He said, if I stand, go out and sin, of course not. But he was. That's what Martin Luther said to Melanchthon just during the Reformation. Melanchthon was a Pharisee, and Luther needed it. And he said to Melanchthon one time, go out and sin so you have something to repent of. Was he encouraging sin? Oh, we don't need encouragement for that. But it gets better. There's an old story, I think it may be true, about the time Abraham Lincoln uh, bought a slave, went down to the slave market and bid and bid and won this young black woman. And uh, when they were walking off, she was not happy. Another honky, another white man was going to buy her and then use her and abuse her. And Lincoln turned to her and said, you're free. She said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, you're free. Can I say what I want to say? And Lincoln said, yes, you can say whatever you want to say. Uh, she said, can I go wherever I want to go? And Lincoln said, yes, young lady, you can go wherever you want to go. Then she said, with tears streaming down her face, I'll go with you. I never met a Christian who didn't want to be better, ever. And we're not. And when we recognize it, we get better. Never met a Christian who didn't want to be better. And we're not. And when we recognize it, we get there. How about that? One other thing, and then I'm out of here. 
I want you to note the burden that Jesus puts on this prostitute. It is so cool, I can't hardly stay of it. There is no burden. Now, if I've been there, and I'm sure the Pharisees thought this, Jesus, don't just forgive her, get her into a solid Bible-believing Jewish synagogue. You're not just going to leave it like that, Lord. But have somebody disciple her. There are things she needs to know. And tell her. And tell her that if she, if she ever sleeps with another man out of marriage, that you're going to give her the fever and she'll die. Not a bit of that. Not a bit of it. He said, you're forgiven. That's it. Yeah. You're forgiven. That's all. We want to put rules on it. We want to do a list of things that you have to do if you're forgiven. We say to each other, after all Jesus has done for you, at least, that is so wrong. You're forgiven. Isn't that great? I have a friend I've seen in years, but his business is billboards, and uh, he's Roman Catholic, and he was very disturbed with what was going on in Northern Ireland. I was in Northern Ireland just three or four years ago doing a conference on grace. And uh, he wanted to do something about the division between Protestants. You know, Protestants and Catholics, they were killing each other. There was a war going And he didn't know what to do. You know what he did? He bought billboards all over Northern Ireland. And you know what they said? They said, I love you. Is that okay? Jesus. We make this thing so hard. We work at it so much. We struggle so much. And Jesus said, my burden is light. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and rest. Uh, a few years ago, I spent years teaching in a seminary, the Graduate School of Theology. I ran away from <laughs> kindergarten. And by the way, you could call me doctor, but I'm not a nurse. All my doctorates are phony. All I had to do was to speak at the graduation. They made a doctor out of me. But I was teaching at the seminary. I was teaching communication, which is homiletics. And uh, I taught a course called Grace in the Church. And a couple of my students were, this was in Orlando, a couple of my students were downtown Orlando where there was a fair crowd that had gathered around this preacher 
with a big black Bible, and he was preaching. Some of them were making fun of him. Some of them were listening. And while he was preaching, a woman walked, she was on the sidewalk across the street, walked by in a very tight red dress. She was coming out of it. And the preacher looked up from his Bible and pointed his hand at that woman and said, Or, or, repent. And one of my students, and I wish I could remember his name, turned to the other and said, we're all whores. I just haven't found a way to say it so we can all understand it. If you listen to what I taught you this morning, you understand. You think about that. Thanks for listening. And remember that videos of sermons from Steve are right here on the app. Just click the main menu button in the upper left corner, then click videos. Thank you.